The scripture that was read came from Luke's gospel, the first chapter and the 26th to the 38th verses. And I just want to lift up the 26th and the 27th verse, which reads, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. This passage of scripture in Luke gives the account of the visitation to Mary by the angel Gabriel, who we are told was sent from God to inform her that she had been chosen to conceive and to bear a child that is to be called Son of the Most High. The story is, of course, talking about the advent or the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it begins the chronicle of the supernatural events that surrounded his birth. But while the story is very familiar to us and has been told so many times in so many years over the course of our lives, we often marvel at the wonderful earthly introduction of the Christ that we very rarely pause to reflect on this supernatural encounter from the perspective of the Virgin Mary. I mean, it's one thing to be told that you're going to have a baby, but it's an entirely different thing to be told who this baby is, and better yet, to hear it from the lips of an angel. So for this morning's Christmas worship sermon, I want to draw your attention to Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel and try to glean from her response some truth that may help us better understand and better appreciate the wonderfully good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My topic, therefore, is quite simply a very merry Christmas. A very merry Christmas. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we now come to the preaching hour. We thank you, Father, for the gift of song and music and worship. The question was asked, Mary, did you know that your baby boy was heaven's perfect lamb? That when you kissed that sleeping child, you were kissing the great I am. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, Lord, incarnate your spirit into this preacher and use these lips of clay that I may speak a word and preach a message that will bring us right to that manger moment that we will be asked the question, did you know that this is who this Christ child was and what he has come to do? Bless this time now, we pray in Jesus' holy name in the church all over the world. We say amen, amen, and amen. I'd like to make three very distinct points about this encounter that we have just read. But before I do that, I want to set a little bit of context for Mary's response to this angel Gabriel. From the text, we know that Mary was not only a virgin, but that she was engaged 
to be married to a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph, we're told, is from the line of King David. Now, Jewish tradition holds that girls were normally engaged to be married when they were about 13 or 14 years old, and that this engagement period is for one year. So what we're looking at with this encounter that Mary's having with this angel Gabriel is a very young girl that was not only innocent by virtue of her age, but that she was also a kept child. So with this in mind, we now turn to verse 26, which states, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast her mind what manner of salutation this might be. In other words, what are you talking about? And the angel said to her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. The first point I'd like to make that will lead us to us having a very Merry Christmas is that God's favor is always God-originated. The text says that Gabriel was sent from God, and we've already seen that Mary, being a little teenage girl, had not lived long enough to have done anything, per se, to merit or warrant such an honor to bring forth the Christ. Gabriel says to her, Hail, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Fear not, for you have found favor with God. There's a prevailing tendency for us as believers today to walk around and say we are blessed and highly favored. But what does it really mean to be blessed? and highly favored. How are we to understand what it means to be considered blessed and highly favored of God? Well, from the text, we know that Mary was a young girl, and to have found favor by God can only mean that the merit she found was not based on anything that she had herself done. What I mean is, at 13 years old, what could Mary have possibly done in 13 years of living that would make her blessed and highly favored? The point is, to be blessed and highly favored is not dependent on anything that you or I may choose to do, but solely on what God intended to do with her after having chosen her. Very often we think that if we're good to our neighbors or if we don't curse or if we offer our tithes in the church, then the favor of God is going to rest on us and God will bless us. Beloved, the point is simple. You cannot earn God's favor. You cannot outlove and you cannot outgive or you cannot do anything to gain God's favor. Whether you want to love your neighbor, whether you want to give your worship, it has to come from a place of gratitude. But even if you give a dollar or you give $10 million, even if you help the homeless on the street, even if you go and give out tablets, whatever it is, none of this can earn God's favor. You and I, 
We're no more qualified than that 13-year-old girl who by no action on her part became worthy to bring forth the son of the Most High God. For Mary to have found favor means that she was extended the magnanimously bestowed favor of a superior God. And in not in any way is it a statement of Mary's special virtue. My brothers and my sisters, to be clear, there was nothing special about Mary. The only thing special about Mary was that she was chosen by God. So the first thing we see is that God's favor on your life, my life, and any one of our lives will always be God-originated. And Mary, she was perplexed by this exaltation from the angel because unlike most of us, Mary did not think more highly of herself than she ought. This is what it means to have a very merry Christmas. It is to humble yourself this season and to think that you are not any more special than any person who may not be as highly favored as you may think you are. Now let's look at verse 34, which reads, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This brings me to the second point about having a very merry Christmas. And it is that God's power overshadows. God's power overshadows. Gabriel began by telling Mary about the destiny of the child to whom she will give birth. Now you have to understand, my brothers and my sisters, by telling Mary, this 13-year-old girl, that the child you are getting ready to give birth to will be the son of the highest. He will have the throne of David and that he shall reign over the house of Jacob and that his kingdom will have no end. What the angel was literally telling Mary is that you are going to give birth to the Messiah. In other words, we are now at the point in history where this now has eschatological implications. What do I mean? This means it's end time stuff. Listen, church, from the time of Eve in the Garden of Eden, when the promise was given that her seed would crush the head of the serpent through the 400 years of Egyptian slavery, all the way through to Roman occupation, the Jews have been waiting for the coming of the Messiah. So here it is. We have this little 13-year-old girl being told that when you think of all of that history, all of the promises of God, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way through the 12 tribes of Israel, everything that Israel has been waiting for, you now, God, are sent an angel to tell a 13-year-old girl that you are now going to bring in the Messiah. Yet, Mary's response was not, what? No way. Are you kidding me? None of that. Mary said, how can this be, seeing that I know not a man? 
Which means she was not curious about the coming of the Messiah. She was not thinking about the history of Israel. She was curious about how can a virgin give birth to a child. You see, one might expect Mary to assume that the child will be the offspring of the upcoming union between herself and this man, Joseph. But she knew that her engagement and marriage was at least a year away. And, and, and what Mary understood from the angel was that her conception would occur during a period where she was not expected to have any sexual relations with any man. In fact, let's take a look at Luke, the first chapter, and the 39th through the 42nd verses, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It says, and Mary, watch this, arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe in her womb, meaning the babe in Elizabeth's womb, which we know to be John the Baptist, right? It, it, it leaped. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, this is Elizabeth saying to Mary, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. So, so if Gabriel visited Mary in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and Luke tells us that Elizabeth's baby leaped in the womb because of the fruit that was in Mary's womb, then what this means is that somewhere Mary conceived during the last trimester of Elizabeth's pregnancy, which would be well before her consummation of the marriage with Joseph. The point here, church, is that Mary believed the angel about the Messiah, but she was more concerned about keeping herself pure. <laughs> now, stay with me, church. You see, doctrinally, this is where we have a, a major disconnect with our brothers and sisters of the Roman Catholic faith. You see, they hold to the belief of something called the Immaculate Conception. We, we, we can all agree that Mary was a pious little girl that found favor with God, but, but the Roman Catholic's veneration of Mary, I dare say, is a little misguided. Listen, the Immaculate Conception and the virgin birth do not mean the same thing. Let me say that again. The Immaculate Conception, which is what Roman Catholics believe, is not the same thing as the virgin birth. You see, the Roman, the, the Roman Catholics' belief in the Immaculate Conception makes this claim that a sinful person cannot give birth to a sinless God. In other words, if something is going to bring forth something that is sinless, then the thing that brings it forth cannot be sinful. So Mary has to be immaculate and pure, which is why they venerate her. How can a sinful woman 
bring forth a sinless God. That's what they believe. And they make the, the assumption that sin could only pass from the seed of men. Therefore, Mary needed the Holy Spirit to impregnate her and to be the donor. But according to the scriptures, the Bible tells us that we're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And in truth and in fact, Mary herself did not even claim to be sinless. Look what she says in the passage of scripture that is called the Magnificat, which is found in Luke, the first chapter, the 46th through the 47th verse. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit. This is Mary talking, hath rejoiced in God, my savior. Why would a sinless person be in need of a savior? They wouldn't. Furthermore, Gabriel said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. My brothers and sisters, quite simply, Mary was not sinless. She was born in sin and shaped in iniquity, just like you and me. But while sin can be overpowering, we know that God cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And he is the one that renders us suitable to bring forth his promises according to his purpose for your life and for mine. The point here is that when you and I have found favor with God, it's because his Holy Spirit has come upon us. He overshadows our sinful ways and he cleanses us and washes us from all unrighteousness. No matter what we have done, no matter where we have been, no matter what has been done to us, God's free gift of salvation is all God's work and nothing that we bring to the table. So, to have a very merry Christmas is to recognize that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it is the work of God himself, and as freely as he gives it to us is how we should freely receive it. Finally, we need to look at Luke, the first chapter in the 18th through the 20th verses, and it reads, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Zacharias now said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. You see, Gabriel came with the same message to Zacharias about his wife that she's going to give birth. But Elizabeth was barren. So Zacharias is like, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. My wife well past childbearing years. And the angel answering to him said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I'm sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. In other words, my brothers and sisters, here's the picture. Zacharias is old. His wife is old. They are past, well past childbearing years. And Zacharias and his wife, their hearts are broken for they have wanted and begged God and prayed to God for a child, but they never got a child. So here comes this angel Gabriel coming to tell Zacharias, hey, Zacharias, you know, your wife, she going to give birth. And Zacharias is like, what? You know, <laughs> you crazy. But I love Gabriel's response. It says, and the angel answering unto him says, I am Gabriel. In other words, 
Gabriel stands in front of Zacharias and says, do you know who I am? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. How dare you challenge what I'm telling you? So, so, so the Gabriel, in his anger, renders Zacharias dumb. Now Zacharias can't talk. So now we jump to verse 34. Verse 34 says, Then said Mary unto the angel. Now angel comes with a similar message to Mary. Mary says, How shall this be? seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. So my third point about having a very Merry Christmas is that God specializes in the impossible. In both of these passages that I just read to you, it seems that Gabriel unfairly punished Zacharias for what appears to be a very similar question regarding the message that is being given. I submit to you that there's a very big difference here. Recall, Zacharias and Elizabeth are well advanced in their years, and they have given up hope of ever having a child. So when Zacharias questions Gabriel, he was operating from a place of unbelief. When you are questioning the providence of God, the impossibility of God, God, how can this be? How can I get out of debt? How can you change my life? How can, when you are questioning God out of a place of unbelief, you have no standing with God. Mary, on the other hand, this 13-year-old virgin who we have already established was questioning God from a place of piety, right? She believed. You see, in the text, the virginity of Mary functions in parallel with Elizabeth's barrenness. Both cannot have a child in the way that it's being presented. A virgin cannot give birth. Neither can a barren woman give birth. So both present an opportunity of an obstacle to the providence of God and the promise that is coming. It is exalted neither as a value in itself which our Roman Catholic brothers love to talk about with Mary, nor as a mark of spiritual humility. The virginity of Mary is stressed to underline the magnitude of the miracle. And this is without precedent in all of scriptures. In all of scripture, God has opened barren wombs. We saw that with Sarah. We saw that with all people, that God has opened up barren wombs. But never before, has God brought a child from a virgin? The virgin birth is a reminder to you and I that our salvation is a supernatural act, something impossible for man, but what is possible for God. John stated that those who believe and receive authority to become children are of God are born not of blood nor sperm, the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God the emphasis is that salvation does not come through your effort and mine nor is it our accomplishment so the virgin birth points to the helplessness of humans to initiate even the first step in the process but like Mary and to have a very Merry Christmas you must believe so after this amazing encounter with the angel Gabriel 
Mary finally remarks, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it ever so unto me according to thy word. In other words, Lord, whatever you say, I will do. Whatever you want, I will be. Whatever, Lord, is in my destiny, I will fulfill. And it's at that point the angel departed from her. So my brothers and my sisters, in conclusion, as 2020 comes to a close, and we look at all the things around us, we want to have a very merry Christmas. It's a play on words, but I want us to have a very merry Christmas. And to have a very merry Christmas is to recognize that number one, God's favor is God originated. And that it is not based on anything that you have done, but on what God will and intends to do in your life according to his will. So, Humble yourself and do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. That's number one. Number two, after you recognize the amazing favor that is available to you, you will be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, which will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you must receive this freely and willingly. You must receive this gift freely and willingly, without conditions. And finally, number three, you have to realize that God specializes in the impossible and that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You only need to just believe. Just believe. My brothers and sisters, that's what it means to have a very merry Christmas. Humble yourself. Receive the gift freely. And just believe in God my Savior. But to have this kind of Christmas, like I said, you have to first believe and receive the good news. That in a lowly manger in Bethlehem, God himself shed the majesty of his glory and took on the nature of a human being and was birthed in the womb and through the womb of a woman. He walked for 33 years on this earth. He was crucified, dead, and buried. But on the third day, he rose from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave so that you and I will be able to receive the wonderful gift of eternal life and everlasting peace. That's what this Christmas season is all about. Yes, we give gifts in a way to commemorate the gift that has been given to us. And freely it's been given is freely how we shall receive it. So my prayer is quite simple. That if you heard this message and that the Holy Spirit overshadows you even right now, that you will humble yourself, receive his gift freely and willingly, and just simply believe what he said. And if you can do that, my brothers and my sisters, you will have found favor with God and you will indeed be blessed and highly favored. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.